This is Monuments Woman with Laura Tedesco. I'm your host, George Gavrilis. Today, we're continuing on Laura's journey into Afghanistan. If you're new to this podcast, we recommend going back to start with episode one. For everyone else, welcome back. Let's jump in. You know what I was thinking about? I feel like every time we record or we're about to launch an episode of this podcast, I'm doing a trust fall. That is not my natural inclination to want to do a trust fall every week. I didn't know you felt that way. Here's a question. Are we catching you every time? Yes. Oh, nice question. Okay. Yes. Every time I'm caught. (laughs) But I've been thinking about that. It's one of the sort of growing experiences of doing this with you, friend. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sweet thing for you to say. And, and I love doing this with you too. And you know that I just want to put it out there. Every time you say something, I don't want you to be one step ahead of your words because I just want you to be free to be yourself. It's my job to be one step ahead of your words. Okay. And so whenever we're done... If I feel like you've said anything that's going to potentially cause grief for you or trouble, Mm -hmm. I always flag it. In fact, I think I've been more conservative than you in some instances. Yeah, I think you have. I've noticed that. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, because, you know, we all need a job, right? (laughs) Indeed we do. Yeah, many unknowns in life, many unknowns. There are so many things on my mind, not just about Afghanistan, but about life in general, like what's ahead for us in the years to come. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to your work on Afghanistan, with the Taliban in power, with the international community, and certainly the U.S. not recognizing them, Mm. debating how to engage them, no clear policy has come down yet. Right, right. Right? It's all being discussed. What does that mean for your work? What are you doing right now? Yeah, I'm no less busy than when I was overseeing millions of dollars worth of simultaneous projects. Mostly my work at the moment is maintaining contact with the many Afghans that I knew and worked with in the years that I was going back and forth to Afghanistan and very much engaged with people in the culture sector. I hadn't realized how many people I got to know until I started getting very regular emails from many of them who were seeking help and I think even just a sense of hope that they're not in a hopeless situation. Some are asking for things that are impossible for me to do like visas and seats on airplanes and I can't do any of that. So... I had an email exchange with an Afghan who I've known 10, 11 years, who worked in the culture sector, and he's trying to get out of the country with his children and grandchildren. He was asking me, how does he get out of the country? My response was, I don't know how you do that. And I closed the email with, we must keep hope. Even if he's desperate to get out and the winter is coming, I don't know what his situation is. Does he have enough food for his whole family? I I didn't get that personal with him, but um, it's a lot of person-centered work that I'm doing right now. It's not in the abstract. I am communicating with 
many people on a daily basis where I take time to write thoughtful emails back to them because I don't want my emails to be thoughtless. Have there been moments when you've been at a loss for what to say? Oh, many moments. And sometimes I have to wait days before I can think of how to answer a particular person's pleas as in, you know, to help them. Some days I just don't have it in me. While I sit comfortably in my house with a fridge full of food, I don't know what to say. You know, Jamal, he's still in Kabul, and right now he's doing okay. He's an awfully optimistic person, forward-looking, knows how to make the best out of many situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my heart just drops a little bit every day that I talk to him. He's not as joyous as he normally is. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's not one of these people to be dramatic. Right. And so I have to read between the lines of his facial gestures and the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to know what to say and what to do. I mean, we're still working together and that helps. Right. Right. Yeah. And the UN work. Yeah. Right. It may sound trite, but I think that maintaining hope and optimism is really essential. It's something that we talked about quite a while ago, a resistance towards cynicism or pessimism. Mm-hmm. We got to stay hopeful and optimistic. Yeah. So and there are so many Afghans who were evacuated mm-hmm. with a suitcase yep. or what they could carry. And there are so many Afghans after the evacuations ended that had to look around their house and decide what they would take to the market or to the street to sell so that they could buy food for their families. As prices have more than doubled in the past weeks. And the Afghani just continues to just drop in value. If you had to leave your home Mm. with one suitcase, what would you take? Because I was was struggling with this myself. How big is the suitcase? Like a (laughs) carry-on? That would be so hard to do. (laughs) Right. What would you pack? Oh man, I really thought about this. So I would pack layers, some layers, because I don't know Mm -hmm. what kind of weather I would have. Mm -hmm. I would not pack any light clothing. I would only pack like dark clothing Mm -hmm. because I'm assuming that it would get dirty and stained and that I wouldn't be able to wash it and that it would have to hide stains. So I'll be able to maintain some dignity. And then I saw my grandmother's picture. And, you know, loved her very much. And she raised me. And I was thinking, well, I'd have to take it out of the frame because the frame is unnecessary weight and bulk. Mm -hmm. But how am I going to carry it so that it doesn't get damaged? Mm -hmm. I could take a digital photo, but what if something happens to my phone? Mm -hmm. Should I upload it to the cloud? Right. And so I'm going through all of these motions. And then, of course, I have a two-year-old, right? And you remember what it was like when your kids were two. 80% of your suitcase is going to be filled with the two-year-old stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe. Clothing and diapers and a meaningful toy. Mm -hmm. Books are out of the question. All the books stay behind. That's a very difficult question to answer. What would you pack? I don't know. I'd bring a journal and my face cream. (laughs) 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 Not to make light of it, but... But you know what I mean? I have some beautiful things that have just been passed down from generation to generation. And I can't even imagine leaving them behind, but I would have to. Right, 
Right. You remember seeing pictures of the Kabul airport after the evacuation was over and there it was just strewn Debris with everywhere. people's yeah. personal belongings and open yeah. suitcases and a single shoe and toys and things. The anthropologist in me, I was interested to know how we could tell stories about people's lives based on the things that they mm. left behind at the airport. An account could be told through the personal possessions that were left behind at the airport as people tried to flee. You're right that we're probably not doing that for the things the Afghans left behind, are we? I don't know who could do that. And chances are the belongings got collected and sold on Kabul streets or distributed to the poor. Yep. Yeah, for sure. But in any event, what's your hope for what you can do over the next several months at least in terms of your cultural heritage work what's possible and what is not possible one hope is to stay in touch with the people i'm in touch with so i have a sense of what they're going through whether they remain in afghanistan or are able to get out i'm advocating right now within the office where i work in the state department to keep cultural preservation projects going And I keep a running list of future projects in the event that there are opportunities to fund future projects. I've been thinking about Afghan musicians who are in Pakistan right now, and could we do something to help support their music making? I don't know if that's going to be possible. I want to have something ready to go that we can support to help keep some embers of cultural traditions and Afghan heritage burning and present and alive, whether it's in another country or Afghans who have come to the United States, Afghans who are still in Afghanistan. Until the U.S. defines its policy, whether to recognize the Taliban or not, and how humanitarian aid is going to flow into Afghanistan, I'm trying to be prepared for when there are fewer unknowns at least on the little post-it note of work that I do of cultural preservation. And that's what I think of it as like a little post-it note of work. I got a lot of stuff written on my post-it note right now. Of the people you worked with and the networks of Afghans that you were familiar with, who left the country and who is still in the country? Do you have a sense of what the proportions are? Okay, so thinking of my inner circle of contacts, who I'm in communication with the most, and then there are layers of circles of people where my work intersects with their work. Sure, a lot of people have gotten out, but of my core 20 to 30 individuals who I've worked most closely with over the last decade plus, only two of them have gotten out. One of his own sheer will and effort, and another who I was able to push some levers to help him get out and his family. So I hope to be able to do more of that, but at the moment it's just not possible. Had we spoken openly about Mr. Masoudi and where he is now? The former museum director, right, Mr. Omar Khan Masoudi. Right, right. Who's, as you know, I respect a great deal. So he was able to get out with nine of his family members. And they've gone around to various lily pads 
Now eight of his family members are in the United States and Mr. Masoudi and his wife are still in Europe. And I hope that they'll come to the U.S. soon. And a lot of people know where Mr. Masoudi is because they're calling him all the time. What are people contacting him about? Well, you know, how's he doing? Where is he? What's he hearing? He's a trusted elder and he has a lifetime of friendships of people wondering where he is, not just Afghans, but internationals. I get at least three emails a week asking me for updates on Mr. Masoudi and I don't share information about him, if he chooses to tell people where he is or his Mm. immediate family chooses to tell people his situation, that's their choice. That is not news for me to share. I see. That's how I see it. It's a respect for him and his privacy that I'm not going to be participating in talking about Mr. Masudi's situation. I will do everything I can to help behind the scenes. And if he were to ask me, Laura John, would you please tell so-and-so where I am? Then, of course, I would convey it. What's the best possible outcome for him right now? That he's reunited with his family. That's it. And his beloved brother, who's also somewhere in Europe, that they're all reunited. So that's what we're hoping for. Many Afghan families got split up in the evacuation process between those that remained in Afghanistan those that wound up in different lily pads, different host countries. How much did families get split up? Yeah. Um, I don't know the statistics on that. The two individuals I know who got out, one, his family was not split up. And Mr. Masudi, we're pretty hopeful that they're all going to be reunited. Okay. But I did speak with Mr. Masudi a couple days ago. And it was a little bit of a scratchy connection. So he kept saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Laura John? And I was like, oh, I can hear you loud and clear. I'm so happy to hear your voice. And we didn't get very far. He kept cutting out, but um, (laughs) there was a moment of connection. This is also a good reminder that culture isn't just heritage sites, but alive inside people. Oh, it is. Oh, I would say even more so. Yes, those intangible traditions and... Yeah, absolutely. There's another person that left Afghanistan that was in the news. Omaid Sharifi, the, uh, the founder of Art Lords. Yeah. Somebody that you know really well. I know him pretty well. I have huge admiration for him. He is a special human being. He's been part of this group called Art Lords that painted these incredible murals all over the blast walls of Kabul. If you've not been to Kabul... One of the things that it looks like is as you're driving down the road, there are these huge 12-foot cement walls that line most streets in the center of town. And they're kind of ugly. (laughs) You can't see the buildings behind them. That's the purpose of these blast walls. Art Lords had this idea to beautify the city. So they started painting these incredible murals that were really about social change and they paint pictures of a Mahajadeen and instead of say a rocket launcher on his back, it would be a pencil, for example. So it was really trying to kind of communicate something in particular or instead of a rocket launcher, it would look like a vase with little flowers coming out of it or a camel with the camel bags on either side of it, a very common scene in Afghanistan. Each of those bags would have like a big red heart in it, like the camel was carrying love. 
and things like that. Very simple and powerful visual statements were painted all across Afghanistan. And I saw them a lot in part because all the blast walls inside the U.S. Embassy in Kabul were also covered in these murals, as well as outside in the public city of Kabul. And I got to meet Omayyad a few times, and I'm a big fan of his whole ethos of kindness and empathy and social change through art and getting people involved on the community level. When they would paint those murals in Kabul, anybody who walked by could contribute and pick up a paintbrush. Anybody could do it. Very community-oriented gestures towards social change and beautifying Kabul. I said to him, I think he should get a MacArthur Genius Fellowship for what he's done and what he will do. He's in the U.S. now. I don't know if he's eligible, but he's sure deserving of one. The murals largely have been painted over now, and they've been replaced with Taliban mottos and sayings. And black and white, too. All the colors gone, because the murals were very colorful. But these have been documented thoroughly with photographs. Yeah. Any chance we could revive them at least in one small way by having them all printed in a book? I love that idea. You know what? I'm going to put it on my list for the minute there's an opportunity to find a way to do something like that. I'll help. Mm -hmm. Hey, so one of the people that was in the article we were talking about in the New York Times, Mm -hmm. the one that was mostly focused on Omaid and Art Lords, also talked to Roya Sadat, the Afghan filmmaker. And you got to know her because she was part of the book project. She wrote a beautiful essay about her childhood growing up under the Taliban in Herat. And she's now in the United States. She's such a remarkable woman. When she was still living in Herat, she would run film festivals at the Citadel of Herat you know, where women could come together. Sometimes it would be just for women, like a film festival where only women could be the attendees. Did you ever happen to see the movie, A Letter to the President? No. You have to see this movie. It's incredible. Okay. In it, she depicted something very controversial. She depicted a woman slapping her abusive husband on camera. That caused a lot of commentary in Afghanistan when that film came out because it was not accepted by a lot of people to show a woman striking back on a spouse who was abusing her, which is, you know, not uncommon. But not to focus so much on that detail. The film itself is beautiful, very moving, and highly recommended. And I hope Roya Sadat will continue her filmmaking wherever she is. Mm. She's very talented. You've been listening to Monuments Woman with Laura Tedesco. I'm your host, George Gavrilis. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To stay in touch, also follow us on Instagram at The Monuments Woman. Join us next week when we dive deeper. This show is produced by Christian D. Brune and May 11 Project. It is recorded by Audovita Studios and edited by Sean Hedinger and Greg Williams. The theme song is This Love by Ariana Delawari, featuring Salar Nader. This love we feel.
produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.